0: Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Let's show it. Let's show some love for Dana. Coming up, Dana. Yeah, she should show it up. Yeah. Yes. Yes, <laughs> public praise is my favorite. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Good morning, New City Church. Um, before I get started, I want to um, just give a small content warning. Um, there will be a reference to um, pregnancy complications. So take care of yourself however you need to if that um, brings something up for you. Parenting is not. For the faint of heart. <laughs> I have typed that so many times that my phone has started to auto suggest it as soon as I type the word parenting. I am not kidding. It's one of those things that's really hard to fully grasp until you're in the thick of things. It's easy to know, in theory, that babies don't always sleep well. Puberty disrupts any and all equilibrium that may have existed. (laughs) Watching your child become independent is both lovely and grief-filled all at the same time. You may know it in theory, but the embodied reality of these things delivers a new depth of knowledge that books and even close observation can't fully capture. There's a sense of panic that creeps up in me when I read this account of Mary and Joseph looking for Jesus and not being able to find him among the other travelers. I know that feeling firsthand of being in a crowd and not being able to locate a child. When my son was about eight years old, we went as a family to the Minnesota State Fair as is our custom. It's like going to Jerusalem for Passover, right? Um, (laughs) We were in the agriculture and horticulture building. We were learning about beekeeping and honey. I wandered off to keep track of the four-year-old. My husband Brad and the 10-year-old were somewhere reading every possible printed word on a plaque. And when I turned back, I didn't see the boy. I walked around and around. I f- grabbed Brad and I got him to look. He's a lot taller than I am, so he has a better point of view for these things. I got him to look around and around. And just neither one of us could spot him. Do you know that feeling, that sensation of trying really hard to not cry in hopes that you can actually speak without choking on your words and your tears and yeah, your snot? My heart rate was accelerated. There was tightness in my throat and a tingling in my fingers. We looked everywhere, we thought, inside and outside the building. We finally went to the information booth just outside the building and asked how we could find security. And after what felt like an endless back and forth, so many walkie-talkie conversations, we found out that he was inside the building in the security booth. So we ran through the crowd, we got to him, we hugged him and we kind of low-key scolded him all at one time. Okay, by the way, just so everyone is clear, I have permission to tell this story um, under one condition. And I quote, as long as you make it clear that I knew where I was and you all got lost, (laughs) end quote. Earlier in chapter two um, of Luke, Mary and Joseph take the infant Jesus to Jerusalem to present him at the temple. While they're there, a man named Simeon approached them and blessed them. He said to Mary, this boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your inmost being too. Simeon's prophecy echoes in this story that we heard this morning as Mary and Joseph search the road for Jesus on the way back to Jerusalem. The sword pierces the mother's heart as she believes she has lost her son. This moment of loss and panic is heart-piercing, yet it's a mere foreshadowing of the grief that Mary will experience in the shadow of the cross. When Mary and Joseph finally locate Jesus in the temple in Jerusalem, Mary greets him with her own version of a hug and a scold. I don't think I can do it as well as as Tyler did. Child, (laughs) why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking for you. Jesus replied, why have you been looking for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? I knew where I was. You all were the ones who were lost. So my first instinct as a parent of teens and young adults is that um, Jesus' response has a touch of snark. But really thinking about it, I think he was being pretty earnest in his response. Because in Jesus' mind, it made absolutely perfect sense that he would be learning and questioning in the temple. The scripture says, but they didn't understand what he said to them. I don't know if I've ever read a more relatable statement (laughs) in the Bible. (laughs) So relatable, Mary and Joseph. I don't understand what my kids say most of the time either. It's fine. So parenting is a constant tug of war between making space for children's developmentally appropriate agency and the instinct to protect them at all costs. So I, I like to tell myself that I've so far resisted the urge to become a helicopter parent, always hovering, or a lawn mower, or more, we're, we're getting to the snow season of parenting that clears the obstacles and challenges in the child's path. But man, do I understand that urge to hover too close sometimes, to clear away the obstacles, because it's just hard to watch your child struggle. It's hard to watch them make questionable choices. So I'm sure you all know this, but just a reminder for all of us, people's brains don't actually fully develop until about the mid-twenties. That prefrontal cortex is the last part to develop. And that's the part that's in control of executive function, like planning, decision making, moderating social behavior, prediction of consequences of decisions. So for the first 20 years or so, parents are tasked with being kind of the external version of the prefrontal cortex, helping with planning, decision making, and prediction of consequences. Because at 12 years old, they might not think through a decision to its logical conclusion. Hmm, if I don't tell my parents I'm going to stay in Jerusalem while they travel home, they're probably going to be worried and mad when they notice I'm not with them. Jesus made some questionable choices at 12. If Jesus made questionable choices, what hope do the rest of us have to stay out of trouble without a fully developed prefrontal cortex? In a way, part of parenting is trying to work yourself out of a job, or at least parts of it. You want to encourage children to grow and mature. It's providing scaffolding so that they can build and practice new skills. It's also providing a soft place to land when those decisions or the risks that they take just don't work out. When I was pregnant with our oldest, there was a series of parenting books called What to Expect When You're Expecting, I imagine they're still in print. Yeah, they're, yeah. We'll not, we'll not, we're not here for a book review. Um, but it's a reference book for those of you who don't know that goes through a lot of the physical, emotional, hormonal changes that happen during pregnancy. Also, it answers questions about like, should you exercise? What foods can you eat? Can I eat sushi during pregnancy? Um, not the raw fish kind. But um, at that point, it was kind of the gold standard of questionably so, kind of the gold standard of parenting books. And because those sold so well, they, you know, of course added to the series. So then there were what to expect the first year, what to expect the second year, etc. There is a lot of useful information, but one of the aspects of parenting that I think I missed or overlooked in the books was the need for community. I mean, sure, I've heard it takes a village to raise a child, (coughs) but the prevailing logic of white middle-class America tends to trivialize the central truth of that proverb. Rugged individualism tends to create the conditions for comparison, for competition, and judgment among groups of parents. And the internet, frankly, just amplifies those conditions. Her kid is reading at age three. Mine's not. Is that because I didn't use flashcards? The parents that I saw on the internet, they make all their baby food from homegrown organic vegetables. (laughs) Have I broken my kid by feeding them jarred food from the co-op? Their kid is in an SAT prep class. Should I have signed my kid up for SAT prep? Am I ruining her future by not investing in prep classes? (sighs) But the logic of community care says connection and support are crucial. As parents or guardians, whether coupled or single, we are not meant to be the sole providers of care, education, compassion, wisdom, and love. Mary turned to her cousin when she found out she was expecting. Even Jesus' mom needed community and connection and support. And research just confirms that need. Parents with stronger community connections, including a greater sense of community and community engagement, reported more resilient coping when faced with adversity. That same study shows that re- the resiliency impacts children's ability to cope as well. So my, my spouse and I have a close circle of friends, they're chosen family. And honestly, without them, I don't think we would have survived the early years of parenting. You might actually be surprised. Actually, the parents are not going to be surprised at all. But you, the rest of you might be surprised to, um, to think about the healing balm of a park play date when you're sleep deprived and barely hanging on. When I was pregnant with our youngest child, I had some complications toward the end of the pregnancy. I ended up on hospitalized bed rest with a six-year-old and a four-year-old at home. It only took one or two calls at the most, and the auntie and uncle network was fully activated. The older kids were safe and cared for, and Brad was able to come to the hospital to support me. Not only did these friends lovingly care for our children, they also painted the nursery, sewed some curtains, folded the laundry because honestly, I thought I was leaving for a two hour meeting, not like for a week. And uh, you know, they probably did some dishes because there's always dishes. Not only have our friends been our community as parents, they've been loving adults for our children When our oldest kid was struggling in her first year of college, one of these friends took her out for coffee and listened. Listened in a way without judgment that my husband and I just couldn't provide for her. Children and adolescents need trusted, safe, and loving relationships with non-parental adults. These relationships aren't meant to substitute for parents or the parental figures, but they create a deeper bench of people to give them love, support, and advice. Sometimes there are topics that children and youth may not be ready to talk to their parents about, like relationships and sex. Even if the parent is totally open and comfortable with these topics, there can be kind of a ick factor for adolescents and talking with their parents about, you know, that. I'm pretty sure my kids wish I was a little less open and comfortable talking about (laughs) sex, but you know, whatever. (laughs) It's fine. Sometimes there are topics parents are just out of their depth talking about. When my kid starts talking about the intricacies of her math class, my eyes glaze over it's time to smile and nod and then eventually suggest that she call her auntie celia if she really wants to get some like conversation going um even mary and joseph they were devout jews but they weren't trained as teachers of jewish law and thought jesus needed to be in relationships with the teachers in the temple as he explored and he questioned. Community, love, and support help create resiliency in both parents and children. We can't do any of this alone. So when Jesus and his parents returned to Nazareth, Mary is said to have, quote, cherished every word in her heart. The word translated as cherished is actually more accurately translated as stored. We actually don't really need a sentimental spin on this hard and confusing stuff. Mary stores those words and the experiences in her sword-pierced heart. As much wonder and delight that comes from parenting, grief can be just around the corner. All the what-to-expect books in the world can't prepare you for the grief of unrealized expectations, unrealized hopes, and unrealized dreams. Because, friends, as it turns out, children are not puppets. (laughs) So there's always going to be the unexpected. Expecting music lessons and getting traveling soccer, expecting fun family vacations, and getting yelling and tears about whose turn it is to sit where, expecting every night sit-down meals together and pleasant conversation, and getting everyone going in a different direction. Parenting changes for the better if we can, as parents, incorporate the spiritual practice of non-attachment to the picture in our own heads. Sometimes it's grief rooted in not being able to create the conditions for thriving. Like navigating a world built for the neurotypical with children who are neuro extraordinary. Sometimes it's grief rooted in changing relationships, having children pull away as they rightly become more independent and spread their wings, not needing you in the same ways. Sometimes it's grief rooted in estrangement, in addiction, in incarceration, or even in death. And a sword will pierce your innermost being too. Mary is not alone in suffering the sword-pierced heart as a parent, nor is she alone in storing all the lessons, grief-filled and joyful, in her heart. So this morning's scripture, closed by saying, Jesus matured in wisdom and years and in favor with God and with people. Jesus was busy growing that prefrontal cortex. He was building community and he was upending all the expectations. So no, parenting is not for the faint of heart. It's an exercise in courageous, open-heartedness. learning to provide support and accountability without overprotecting or micromanaging. It's learning to create community for yourself and for your children. It's learning to hold both grief and joy as children mature in wisdom and in years. May it be so. Amen. Yeah. Okay.